Chapter thirty three of Darkness and Daylight or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bruce Peary. Darkness and Daylight or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. Chapter thirty three by Thomas W. Knox gamblers and gambling a midnight visit to gambling houses of high and low degree a glimpse behind the scenes in spite of all the laws that have been made against it gambling in various forms continues to flourish in the great city gambling houses are of all grades from the high class and costly establishments in the neighborhood of madison square down to the low class houses of the bowery and water street most of them are only open during the evening but there are some which are known as day houses where fortune can be tempted at almost any hour closely connected with and well known to the profession is a roper in capper or steerer whose vocation is to bring business to the gambling houses he is always well dressed and constantly on the watch for non-residents who wish to see the sights in the metropolis and the gambles of the tiger are one phase of life in which many strangers manifest uncommon interest the capper expects and will receive a liberal commission on all money dropped by visitors under his guidance in whatever place is entered before starting out the capper generally suggests a round of drinks and leads the way to a fashionable bar-room he always insists upon paying the bill for while he is ostensibly doing his companion a great service in spending his time in showing him the sights it is a part of his business to appear liberal besides he intends to be paid in the end out of his visitor's pocket the gambling-house does not pay all these incidental expenses if the visitor fails to lose any money at the gambling-tables the capper has spent his time and money to no purpose but the principle of general average comes in here very well what he loses on a bad customer he makes up on a good one as his commission is usually large he may spend five dollars in showing a visitor about to-night and get nothing in return but perhaps to-morrow he will find a victim who drops several hundreds or thousands of dollars at roulette or faro of which the capper will receive from twenty to forty per cent arrived at the door of a fashionable gambling-house with a visitor under his care the capper rings the bell a little wicket is opened and the party is inspected by a man inside generally a negro in faultless evening dress who has been a long time in the service of the place and knows the faces of all its frequenters the capper says all right charlie and is at once recognized the wicket closes the heavy door silently swings open and the party is admitted generally the playroom is up one flight of stairs though it is sometimes on the parlor floor wherever it is the capper leads the way nods familiarly to several of the habitues of the place and introduces the visitor who is thus ensured a cordial reception the proprietor invites him to take something at a sideboard which is equipped with the choicest liquors in the market and the choicest cigars as well 
it is a matter of common notoriety that the very best liquors that money can buy are those which are served free of charge to the patrons of these high-class gambling houses a visitor can drink smoke look on stroll about the handsomely furnished rooms do whatever he likes and is never urged to play but if he shows a desire to do so he is readily accommodated and his friend the capper will often set the example by taking a hand in the game just for fun whether the capper wins or loses it makes no difference to his pockets as his own winnings are secretly returned to the proprietor and his losses if any are as secretly made up to him about midnight there is a pause for supper which is always an elegant and sometimes an elaborate repast served hot and comprised of all the delicacies in the market the supper is free to everybody in the house and so are the fine wines that are served with it the visitor enjoys the supper and wonders how the managers can afford to give away so much every night especially as everything is of the best if the visitor did not leave his conscience at his hotel it begins to prick him a little as he rises from the supper-table and he is very apt to say to himself i must certainly play a little for i don't like to sneak out without showing my appreciation of this elegant hospitality if i drop five or ten dollars no matter it will no more than pay for my supper the visitor sits down at the roulette or faro table with that object in view he feels kindly towards all the world and especially to the gentlemanly gamblers who have entertained him so handsomely with never a hint that he should patronize the game he is warmed with the wine at peace with the whole human race and in exactly the mood that the gambler desires him to be he begins to play to his pleasure and somewhat to his surprise instead of losing he wins steadily and soon has made a handsome sum of course he doesn't want to carry away the money of his host that would be an abuse of good treatment not to be thought of for a moment so he risks it again and again and at last becomes wholly absorbed in the game after a while his luck changes and he loses as rapidly and steadily as he won before if he rises from the table a loser only of the five or ten dollars he was willing to give for his supper he is far more fortunate than the great majority of players the chances are even that he will lose fifty a hundred perhaps two or three hundred dollars if he happens to have that amount in his possession and then he will probably be able to understand why the proprietors can spread such a magnificent free supper with its choice wines and liquors and still make money should a visitor partake too freely of wine and become troublesome he is quietly ejected and the doorkeeper has orders to refuse him admittance in future there is nothing so much abhorred by the high-class gambler as a row and a gambling-house such as i have described could give lessons in good behavior to many a man who considers himself altogether too respectable to be seen in its neighborhood decorous politeness prevails throughout the whole establishment 
there may be free conversation which is generally carried on in subdued tones among those not in the games but it is an unwritten law that the players shall not be in the least disturbed enormous stakes have been played for in some of these gambling houses and sometimes the winnings of an establishment have been fifty or a hundred thousand dollars in a single night but this is only a very rare occurrence and only happens when a young millionaire or perhaps an old one is enjoying the lavish hospitality of the house and loses his balance through taking too much wine some years ago a man lost one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars in two sittings of about four hours each he had recently come into possession of a large fortune which he managed to lose in less than a year after receiving it ultimately he became a capper for the very house where the bulk of his money was lost but his dissipated habits prevented his success even at this kind of business and he died in a garret on the east side of the city and was buried at public expense in a pauper's grave all the high-class establishments conduct what they call a square game that is no advantage is taken of the player by means of apparatus marked cards unfair dealing and the like the player has against him the ordinary percentages of the game which all may know about and the still greater percentage of the tendency of human nature to be fascinated by the turns of the wheel of fortune and continue to play after losing heavily in the hope of retrieving losses dishonest modes of playing are known as skin games the square gamblers look down upon these flayers with undisguised contempt and hold no relation with them at least ostensibly an intoxicated man is more satisfactory prey for the skinners than a sober one and the rules that govern the fashionable houses do not prevail in those of lower grade even a sober man who enters one of these low concerns is generally unable to detect the fraud practised upon him and sometimes so skilfully is he swindled that he will defend with the greatest vehemence any assertion that he was unfairly deprived of his money the fleecing or skinning is done in various ways if the game is faro the cards are dealt from a metal box with their faces uppermost while the bets are placed upon the layout a painted cloth on which all the faces of the cards are represented the dishonest dealer at faro has a box so arranged that he can remove two cards at once and the cards are sufficiently transparent to enable him to know the character of the second card from the top the case-keeper who keeps the tally of the cards as they come from the box sits near the dealer and is in league with him so that when all the cards have been dealt the record will be correct the fraud consists in removing two cards instead of one whenever it is to the advantage of the house to do so roulette is played with a wheel whence its name which whirls in a wooden basin in the centre of the table where the game is played 
when the wheel is started in one direction a small marble or ivory ball is sent flying around the interior of the basin in the opposite course and is kept at the outer edge for three or four minutes by centrifugal force gradually its speed diminishes and so does that of the wheel and finally the ball drops into one of thirty-eight compartments at the edge of the wheel a painted layout on the table receives the bets of the players which are made while the wheel and ball are in motion a man may bet on a single number and if he wins he receives his stake back and thirty-five times as much if on two numbers and one of them wins he receives eighteen times his stake and so on there are thirty-six numbers and two zero compartments and the advantages of the bank are when the ball falls into either the single or the double zero half the compartments are odd and half even and they are also divided between red and black a player may bet on an odd or an even number and also on the winning color honestly played roulette is purely a game of chance with the advantages of bank and player exactly the same with the exception of the zeros already mentioned but the dealer of the skin game at roulette has a very delicate apparatus worked by fine wires under the table by which he can direct the course of the ball into any compartment desired if the majority of the bets are on black he can drop the ball into the red or vice versa and it is needless to say that he always manipulates the apparatus in favor of the bank at various times the police have captured gambling apparatus that was skillfully constructed for the deception of the wary as well as of the unsuspecting in one instance it was found that the manipulation of the wheel for purposes of dishonesty was controlled by a man who was on the floor above and could survey the table below him through a stucco ornament in the ceiling the dealer started the ball and wheel and then innocently held his hands upon the table as a guarantee to any suspecting person that he was not working the wires but they were worked all the same and very successfully too electricity has been made to play an important part in managing the roulette wheel in the interest of the proprietors of the game to convince patrons that everything is honestly conducted the wheel and the bowl containing it are supported on legs resting in the center of the table and before the game begins the wheel is lifted in order that the most skeptical may be convinced that there are no wires to be operated from below or above when every spectator is satisfied the wheel is replaced exactly where it stood before and business goes on the places where the legs are to rest are indicated by spots on the green cloth with which the table is usually covered or what appear to be nothing more than depressions in the cloth caused by the weight of the apparatus the fact is that there is a metallic connection through these spots by means of fine points of copper or steel invisible to the naked eye and when the wheel is restored to its former position the points come in contact with the feet which are also metallic by the skillful manipulation of electric keys performed on the floor above or by a spectator at the end or side of the table 
the little ball can be directed into the black or red compartments at will or made to avoid numbers on which the heaviest bets have been placed in all gambling places of the lower grades it is a rule of the establishment not to allow a man to leave until he has parted with his money with the possible exception of a few dollars to enable him to leave the city and so get out of the way of complaining if he is too wary to risk all at the table he is plied with liquor and the liquor is generally drugged so that it will speedily accomplish its work if this does not induce him to be reckless in his play the drugging is continued until he is in a state of insensibility and then his pockets are rifled of everything valuable the next step is to be rid of his company a carriage is called and he is led or carried to it by two men who represent to the driver that their friend has taken a drop too much and they are taking him home the carriage is not called to the door of the house but waits on the corner or perhaps a full block away in order that in case of unpleasant results the driver cannot testify that he took the man in at any particular house the carriage is driven to a secluded street and halted on a corner the driver is paid off and dismissed and after he goes away the victim is deposited on a doorstep and left there sometimes he comes to himself after a time but more often he is arrested by the police in either case he is unable to tell how he happened to be in that street and on that particular doorstep the last that he remembers is that he was in a gambling house but as he was taken there by a friend he cannot say where it was if he is brought before a police justice in the morning it is quite likely that he will get ten days or a longer period on blackwell's island in default of being able to pay his fine but every victim of the gambler does not escape with a short imprisonment the motto that dead men tell no tales is not unknown to the gambling fraternity and if the water that surrounds manhattan island could speak it could make revelations that would fill every reader with horror every year there are dozens of mysterious disappearances and every year there are scores of unrecognized and unclaimed bodies found floating in the harbor if all these could be traced to their origin it is pretty certain that the majority of the mysterious disappearances and drownings would prove to have been the work of the gambling houses it is a little more difficult and a little more risky to throw a man into the harbor than to leave him on a doorstep in a drunken debauch but when a victim has been robbed of so much money that he is liable to make trouble about it the risk is sometimes considered worth taking by these desperate men a form of gambling that depended upon publicity for its profit was formerly very prominent in new york in fact it became so prominent as to attract general attention to its nefarious character under the guise of fairness and was suppressed by law in consequence this is what is known as pool selling a system of mutual betting on the result of any forthcoming event a horse race a yacht race baseball match a municipal state or national election in fact any kind of event to occur in the near future 
the seller of the pools occupies the position of a banker he receives the money of any or all comers who wish to purchase tickets and as soon as the result of the contest has been declared he pays over the money to the winners after deducting his commission which is always a liberal one nobody objects to the liberality of the commission the loser doesn't care as he will get nothing back in any event and the winner is satisfied with the returns upon his investment and looks upon the dealer as a liberal gentleman before the pool rooms were suppressed they were always thronged on the evenings previous to important races or elections and thousands of dollars were paid for tickets men and boys joined in the excitement of the occasion and the ranges of the pools were such that sums as low as a dollar or even less could be staked upon a race or an election it was found that many boys were tempted to rob their employers in order to buy tickets in the pools or to make up their losses after finding that they were unsuccessful but the law finally laid its heavy hand on this nefarious business and though still carried on in some localities it is only to a small extent a recent investigation shows that there are more than fifty regular gambling houses in the city not counting the policy shops and kindred establishments one of the oldest and most aristocratic is the one that was run by the late john morrissey it is close to a church on broadway and has good surroundings and though the occupants of the neighboring buildings have tried hard to cause it to be closed they have been unable to do so it is open only at night and is run in connection with a day gambling house within pistol shot of the corner of broadway and ann street one of the difficulties in prosecuting the managers of the place is to ascertain their names the place is called a clubhouse and to all inquiries as to who its members are the parties addressed return the invariable answer i don't know the games played at both these houses are principally faro and roulette though anyone who wants a hand at poker can generally be accommodated if a citizen makes a complaint and the police come to make a raid in consequence the faro and roulette tables suspend operations the moment the warning sound is heard from the man at the peephole in the outer door who is always on the alert by the time the police can reach the gaming rooms they are deserted and the lights are low while the people in the house are found seated at the card tables on the second floor indulging in quiet games of poker the members of a club may play poker to their heart's content and as this is a club and nothing that the law calls gambling is going on there the police have no chance for arrests the proprietors of this gambling house and those of another fashionable resort of the same kind on twenty-ninth street have several times been defendants in suits to recover money lost at their tables two or three suits of this kind are now in the courts one of them for eighty thousand dollars which was lost there by the cashier of a large business house another suit is by a woman who had entrusted her husband with six thousand dollars in bonds which he was to sell on her account he sold the bonds and then took the money to the gambling house where he expected to win a large amount and be able to have a nice allowance for himself after giving his wife what belonged to her 
it was the old story and the wonder is that he came away with six hundred dollars in his possession having lost five thousand four hundred the great majority of these suits are compromised where compromise is possible and the gamblers find they are hopelessly within the clutches of the law but they fight as long as they possibly can and employ some of the ablest lawyers for their defense as they can well afford to pay large fees the majority of the patrons of the gambling houses are men under forty years of age and very many of them are between twenty and thirty now and then a gray-haired veteran can be seen trying his luck with the tiger but it is the exception rather than the rule men of mature years have either learned caution and ceased to play at the fickle games or been cleaned out long ago and have nothing left with which to play hundreds of young men in new york can trace their downfall to the gambling tables and within the past ten years there have been more than fifty defalcations of trusted employees on this account if a photograph of the party at play on a full night in any of the fashionable houses could be taken about eleven o'clock or a little later and displayed in a public place it would create a sensation as there would be a goodly proportion of faces that are well known in political and business circles and other faces whose exposure would cause speedy vacancies in banking and other commercial houses boys are not admitted at these fashionable places but there are gambling resorts on sixth avenue and in its neighborhood where youths are enticed by the prospect of winning the money of the keepers of the game and may freely enter most of these places are in the rear of cheap cigar stores or other establishments of an apparently legitimate character one place is ostensibly an express office but if you should wish to leave an order for the transport of your trunk or any other express work you will be told that the expressman has been laid up two or three days with the grip his horse has gone lame his wagon has broken down or something else has happened that will prevent his doing the desired service at these games checks or chips are sold at varying prices according to their colors the lowest prices being five cents each they are generally sold in stacks of twenty chips so that a patron can take a hand in the game if his entire possessions amount to only one dollar the patrons of these houses are mostly young clerks boys employed in offices shops or working at trades occasionally a newsboy or bootblack who has been driving a good trade ventures inside and risks his hard-earned wages there is always a crowd of confidence men about and if by a run of fortune in his favor a patron manages to win a few dollars and starts to leave he is immediately beset by these fellows who try to entice him to visit other houses in the neighborhood in the promise of winning more so earnestly do they press their arguments and so flushed is the young gambler with hope that they generally succeed and so it usually happens that not one young man in ten who goes into this locality to win his fortune at the gaming tables reaches home with a penny in his possession these low gambling houses are frequented by men who are technically known as sleepers 
they have no money to play with but they are allowed to sit at the tables and whenever a patron is careless about picking up his winnings these fellows step forward and claim the stake if the owner objects the thieves show a great deal of assurance and it generally happens that the young man submits to their demands rather than have a fight in the best class of gambling houses this kind of stealing is not allowed as there are lookouts whose business it is to see that no bet is wrongfully appropriated but in the cheap houses the rule is every man for himself the sleepers are tolerated there for the reason that whenever they have money no matter how obtained they generally drop the most of it at the gambling tables playing policy is a cheap way of gambling but one on which hundreds if not thousands of dollars are risked every day in new york sums as low as three cents can be risked upon it and there are policy shops where bets of one cent are taken the play is upon numbers which are drawn daily usually in kentucky or louisiana and sent by telegraph the numbers are from one to seventy-eight the room where the game is played is like those of other cheap gambling dens usually at the rear of a cigar store bar room or other place where it does not rouse suspicion if many persons are seen entering a long counter extends the entire length of the room and behind this counter near its center sits the man who keeps the game and is called the writer he is not the proprietor but simply a clerk on a salary and his duties are to copy the slips handed up by the players mark them with the amount of money paid and watch to see that no fraud is practiced there are twenty-five plays every morning and the same number in the evening at the regular shops and they all get their winning numbers from a central office in broad street near the writer is an iron spike or hook on which are the policy slips each slip contains the winning numbers and is placed face downwards so that nobody can see what it is let us now see how the scheme is worked i am about to try my luck at policy and for this purpose enter a shop and pass through to the rear if there are ten people in the room it is an even chance that three or four of them will be negroes as the colored brethren are very fond of this game of chance the assemblage is promiscuous and not at all select along the counter are numerous slips of paper for general use i take one of the slips and write upon it five pairs of numbers using any numbers from one to seventy-eight I give this slip to the writer with fifteen cents and say put me in for five gigs at three cents two numbers are called a saddle and three numbers a gig there are numerous combinations in the game but gigs and saddles are the most popular i wait until the other players have put in their bets which the writer copies and records and then hands back to the players just as he copies and returns mine when all the bets are in he takes the first policy slip from the spike or hook aforesaid writes upon a slate the numbers he finds on the slip and then hangs it up where everybody can see it he writes them in two columns of twelve numbers each and if i have guessed two of the numbers in either column in one of my gigs 
I walk up to the counter and present my ticket for payment, receiving ten times the amount of my wager. But a man stands as good a chance of being struck by lightning as he does of winning at this rate. Nevertheless, the game is full of seductiveness on account of its possibilities, and also on account of its cheapness. Some of the shops have telephone connections, and a customer who is known to the establishment can play policy without leaving his office by simply telephoning his guesses. That a large amount of money may be lost at policy is shown by the circumstance that quite recently the cashier of an important law firm in New York City embezzled $125,000 of the money of his employers. When the defalcation was discovered and investigated, it was found that this enormous sum had been spent in playing policy in a notorious shop on Broadway. End of chapter 33